0: Welcome to Startup Hacks, a We Global podcast. We explore the stories and secret strategies that women entrepreneurs use to save time and money when bootstrapping and building their businesses. I'm your host, Fernanda Carapina, and today I'm excited to welcome Jasmine Foratan. Jasmine is the founder and CEO of Pitch Genius and specializes in preparing early stage startups for fundraising for the past six years. Jasmine's tech career began by working directly with angel investors, which quickly evolved into being on the founder side of fundraising. At Pitch Genius, she's on a mission to get founders funded. She knows what moves the needle for investors, which is why 42% of her clients have successfully raised funds. Welcome, Jasmine. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Fernanda. It's good to be here. Thank you. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you for joining us today and being part of the show. I'd like to begin the show by having you share a little bit about your personal background with the audience so they can get to know you a little better.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Personal background. So I am born and raised in Los Angeles. Um, Been here my whole life. I've lived all over the city. And it's been pretty good to me. I went to Loyola Marymount University Received a degree in entrepreneurship, which yes, that is a major now. <laughs> Many <laughs> universities are are adding that as a as a standard major, which was pretty cool. And um, and yeah, I uh, you know started my business probably a year out of college, and um, it's been pretty amazing. The, the very steep learning curves, of course, because I don't have any higher education such as an MBA or any additional education after just my undergraduate, but at the same time, the best lesson, the the best lessons I've learned have been in just doing business, which people say all the time, but um, I completely agree and I've kind of lived that. So it's been good. Now it's, it's really, you know, five, five years later that I've been doing what I've been doing. And it's been almost four years since I've officially had the business up and running and, um, yeah, that's, that's great. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I know firsthand how incredibly talented you are and good at what you do. And I'm wondering if you could um, take us through kind of your employment experience and the light bulb that went off and what you learned um, as an employee and how that translated into your vision for for your company. And, and, and do tell us a, a lot
1: more about what you actually deliver as part of your services yeah absolutely so i began my career in tech working for angel investors and those angels were on a mission to get uh founders and startups from pitch deck through due diligence to closing the deal which was brilliant and is something that a lot of founders need need a lot of support on um while while working in that position i you know i was hired as the operations manager and um I soon was, you know, also the pitch deck girl on the team, helping with the pitch decks. They they formally trained me on how to build a good pitch deck, um, as well as you know managing operations, doing marketing. You know, at some points I was also doing sales and bringing in new startup clients. Um, So there were two light bulbs that went off. The first one being, all right, if I'm basically, it felt like I was doing everything at this company, and and I was and I, and I told myself, Hey, if I can do it for them, why not just do it for myself? So that was light bulb one, number one. And then the second one being that I got this amazing exposure and experience in watching startups, countless startups, pitch angel investors, having them leave the room and then just listening to the angels deliberate over which investment opportunities they found interesting. And what happened was, and what was very clear was that a pitch that went poorly was never discussed in the room. It was almost like it it really just fell on deaf ears. The angels just couldn't even didn't absorb any of the information. Um, But, you know, a mediocre idea with a really fabulous pitch uh, was always discussed. And that was just like a repetitive pattern that I kept seeing and there was also all of this buzz at the time and articles being written around how bad founders were at building their own decks and building and pitching investors. And, you know, there's still that kind of same buzz, but um, that was kind of my second light bulb was, Hey, this is a, there's a huge need for this. Founders really need the support um, and really don't have that insight and don't realize how big of a barrier their pitch is to them fundraising. So um so, yeah, those were the two light bulbs. And um, and
0: what did you find, um, just out of curiosity, given your experience, um, what did you find were some of the classic, you know, few mistakes that a lot of founders made when when they were pitching those really bad pitches that you're referring to?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um in in the room, what I was seeing and and still see today is a either the the pitch is just too product focused, right? It's completely focused on what the product is, who it's for, what it's going to do, um, and there's no really substantial information or insight into what the market opportunity is, why it's interesting, what's their execution strategy, why is that their execution strategy? So, I mean, I've seen angels and and investors completely stop a pitch if a founder just keeps going on and on, on the idea, because it doesn't give them, you know, no investor invests in just an idea, they need to understand why it's a good investment opportunity. So I've seen Angels completely stop a pitch if that's what's happening um and then the second one i would say is they the delivery of the pitch right it's just was not rehearsed the pitch deck is hard to follow and there's too much on the screen and there's no story being delivered it was just kind of dry and boring and and unrehearsed um that can definitely kill your pitch once you're in the room um And I think the third and really the most important one is just overall lack of market research. I can't Mm -hmm. tell you how many founders I've I've spoken to and have consulted that, you know, they've poured blood, sweat, tears, and a lot of money into ideas that they haven't really properly done market research for, and that's, that's totally fine. I mean, a lot of the times, you know, an entrepreneur's gut about a market opportunity can be correct but the investor ultimately wants hard data on why the market opportunity is real, why, you know, what's interesting about it and how is the founder assessing it and looking at it and approaching it.
0: Right. Wow. So, so now tell us about your solution. So you were taking all this in and you saw an opportunity for you to become an entrepreneur in your own right and start your own business. Yeah. And, um, so tell us about, um, so tell us about pitch genius.
1: Yeah. Um, so pitch genius. Well, first I started out just as a freelancer and, um, that was really difficult because as young as I was and as much as I knew I could support founders, nobody actually trusted me. So I spent a full year building Pitch Genius. And the idea behind it was that the whole mission would be to help and to to support more founders and get startups funded. And I'll say this, that, you know, your pitch deck and your investor deck does not make you and does not make the, the, the raise happen, right? There's it's the traction. It's the team. It's all of these other wonderful things that are coming into play, but your pitch check can definitely break you. So I built a service around what is actually happening with the entrepreneur, right? Why are their pitch checks going poorly? Well, in my mind, they're all extremely busy building a business and, and gaining traction and doing what they need to do to actually get funded. Um, and so a lot of not a, not enough effort is put into the pitch. So the service is built around really taking the pitch deck off of the founder's hands. Um, and, you know, for the past, I would say, for the first three years in the company, we've been really focused on just building the investor deck, doing the market research, doing the market sizing. Now the service has really evolved into kind of uh, providing a full package that will completely prepare the founder before he speaks with a single investor. So that goes from the pitch deck to rehearsing the pitch to making sure they have an idea and understanding about their valuation and how to navigate that conversation and ultimately what any other resource that they would need before speaking with investors we can provide.
0: Yes, absolutely. And and share a little bit about the um, because I don't think a lot of entrepreneurs who might be listening um, mm. think about the full kind of pitch uh, package in terms mm. of the types of materials you create. Um, it, as an entrepreneur, you you end up bumping into certain requests from person a and person b. and and you kind of put the, Connect the dots as as a result, like, oh, I need an executive summary. Oh, I also need this. But can you talk a little bit about the suite of materials that you feel are
1: really important to have? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, it comes down to having a full investor pitch. Okay. So your full deck, which can be anywhere from 20 to 23 slides, it stands on its own and it can be emailed. Um, This is going to be the base for any other material that you're going to produce. You can produce an executive summary from it, you can produce a teaser deck from it, you can produce a presentation deck from it, which is really just to say that you're absolutely going to have multiple versions of your pitch, but it really all begins with that full reading deck and full pitch deck. So that's that's what all of our packages really focus on creating. Um, often we we get like, hey, can we build an executive summary as well? And we're always happy to, but it's my impression that if you can start with just the teaser deck, the full reading deck, as well as a presentation version of that deck, um, you will be you will be in a good position to start reaching out. Oh, well, of course, and as well as your financial model, right? And build having that Excel sheet completely built out and ready to go. And being prepared to pitch that as well. So, so long as you have those four items, you should be prepared enough to start having conversations. If you ever have an investor who's like, so insistent on you having a one pager, a one page executive summary, because that's just what they like, then you create it for that investor at that point. Um, But otherwise, like if you were to really sit and create everything that you could imagine for, you know, any investor, and what they might ask for you, I mean, it, that's it's just kind of impossible in a lot of time. Um, so yeah. I'm, I'm a firm believer in just kind of sticking with the basics. And, you know, if there's additional things that are asked for, great. We'll deal with it once you get there.
0: Right. Absolutely. And for some of the listeners that don't know, mm-hmm. um, oftentimes the pitch mm-hmm. deck that you use in a room mm-hmm. to pitch an investor is a presentation deck. So you want as few words on the page as possible as Jasmine indicated. Um, But if you then get a request for someone to see your deck, if you mail out that deck, if you email it out, someone who reads that isn't really going to understand exactly what you're trying to get across because there's not a lot of content on the page. Exactly. in In which case, that's why Jasmine's referring to a readable deck. Uh, Which has a little bit more of that content on there. And then oftentimes, if it's something you're using for marketing purposes, that one may be even a little bit different because they're not going to read a 23 page deck, right?
1: Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So then that's where the teaser deck comes in and you have something that's 10 to 12 pages and you're always starting with that. And, and actually you're really always just starting with an email with an elevator pitch, right? Like you're not even actually showing the pitch deck or any kind of version of the pitch deck to an investor until you get that to that point in the conversation. Um, but yeah, having those multiple versions is, is really, um, it's really critical. I mean, Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: So um, so I can I can certainly vouch for Jasmine. Her work is amazing. And yeah, 100 (laughs) percent. So let's switch gears because the focus of the show is Startup Hacks. But I did want people to really have a good understanding of your background because I think it is a real benefit to the listeners. So as you were starting out, obviously managing your time and money is really critical. As you know, you started out as most people do as solopreneurs. So how did you um, how did you save time and money and still maintain a competitive edge during that period? And what was some of the secret sauce strategies that you used that you could share?
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I love that question because it makes me think back to that first year while I was building the business and how hard I worked (laughs) 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 you know you're just like so exhausted but at the same time loving it and and but but yeah just reflecting back um let's see so I immediately well okay First, I decided, okay, I can't have like a normal full-time job, right? That's going to require a lot of mental capacity. Um, So I decided to work at a restaurant as a hostess and seat Mm -hmm. people and, you know, get paid hourly and and full-time. And during my lunch breaks and before work and after work, whenever my shift was, I I was working on building the website or doing my own competitive analysis and figuring out what my value propositions were going to be. I did not go out much, <laughs> just, you know, I, I was also single, I was young, I didn't have much financial responsibility other than rent and, you know, whatever else, whatever else there was, but um, I, I also decided, you know, I'm, I'm just going to kind of put myself in a hole and it's kind of not socially shut down, but just give myself the room and, and save the money on going out and spending it on beer and alcohol and whatever else people do at, at 24. Um, and and just save my money and just keep working hard nights and and on the weekends. And, um, once it, once I finally got to the point of opening a business account, right, actually forming the LLC, that was about a full year later, Um, and I had made some small investments here and there as a service-based business, right. With my main tool being PowerPoint and Keynote, like, you know, costs for starting it were extremely low. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, once I was actually ready to launch and form the LLC and then went to the bank to open my business account, um, the banker said, Hey, Here's, you know, here's your credit card. You have, I think it was an 8,000 or $10,000 limit on it. I can't remember. Maybe it was six. I have no idea. A limit on it. And you have a full year free of interest. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, whoa wow, like, wait, what did you just say? So <laughs> I get to spend money on this credit card for a whole year without interest. And he said, yeah. And I was like, wow, this is, this is, this just, it completely had changed the game. So I, um, I told myself and obviously, and knowing that, you know, credit card debt is a huge problem, especially with people at my age. I just decided I was going to be very careful in how I spent on it, used it and spent the money. And I accrued, I think probably like $10,000 in debt uh, to start the business, but also promised myself no matter what that by that year mark, I was going to have it completely paid off. Uh, That was my goal. And so I just carefully spent and, and I met that goal. And after the first year it was profitable and so really just a credit card. And and of course, uh, you know, I guess my privilege and advantage was also having my credit be tied to um, my family's account who ha- also had good credit. So I recognize that completely. And that was my leg up and advantage in opening the credit card with Chase. But um, yeah, that, that's how I did it.
0: That's actually great. I haven't heard that yet. That's very smart. Yeah. Um, and what about, were there any um, services or software that you used that you found was were particularly helpful? I mean, I know you mentioned, obviously, Keynote and PowerPoint. Um, but were there any others that you used early days that you found really kind of saved you a lot of money?
1: Hmm. Um, I would say this. I didn't really spend a whole lot of money on softwares and paid advertising or any any of that in the beginning. I really solely focused on networking and just going to events and, you know, putting on my name tag pitch decks, which, you know, got plenty of people's attention. Um, <laughs> and and I spent money on that. I honestly like that was where I spent my money was just going to events, networking, getting, g- getting people to recognize that I was the pitch deck person or the pitch deck girl, whatever it was. And, um, and, and yeah, we really still have not done any paid advertising Next year we'll start to, um, right. yeah. It's and then all, all sorry, word of mouth, all, all word of mouth. And then, well, also we, I definitely invested time and money into meetup meetups.com or meetup, sorry. Um, and start pitching Just really started as just a meetup and as a workshop where I was teaching entrepreneurs how to be better at creating pitch decks and kind of get them into the mindset of, you know, how are investors evaluating you when you're pitching them. Um, Mm -hmm. and that, that was also very helpful and just kind of getting the name out, getting people to trust me. Um, and I, and I, again, I don't think I ever got a client. I rarely get clients out of those workshops, but at the same time, it's just good for the community. Um, and it's good for just building that recognition and trust within the community. So referrals do come out of it.
0: And um, I know you're really busy, and you have a lot of clients uh, now. And your company has really taken off, and you're you're starting to scale in different ways. Um, can you talk a little bit about an area that's of particular importance to women, which is self care?
1: Mm. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I love it. I mean, to women, to men, to everyone. I mean, entrepreneurship is exhausting and extremely draining. And something, I mean, oh, my God. I, I say this all the time, and I think for women it will resonate, which is that business is extremely emotional, right? I mean, people in general are emotional, but business is particularly emotional and it's funny cuz we were we were raised to think like oh business is business right um but it's not it's extremely emotional and you have to take care of yourself in multiple ways to make sure that a your ego doesn't get destroyed <laughs> and and second that you know your your health is taken care of that in reflecting on that first year in business where i was like working i don't know let's say 70 to 80 hours a week because I had the full-time hostess job. And then I was, you know, staying up late nights, building the business and building the website as well. Um, I got sick a lot that year. I got, it was like maybe like seven different times throughout that year. I had fallen sick because I wasn't sleeping enough. I wasn't feeding myself. I wasn't, I wasn't taking the time to take care of myself, which is really easy when, your ego is so fixated on making this thing successful. And while ego isn't a bad thing, right? It's a very good thing. It's something that drives you, motivates you, protects you in a lot of ways. Um, when it comes to business, it's also something that can completely drive your business into the ground. Yeah. So um, it's 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 an ongoing practice. I can't say that I have it 100% right. But you know, meditation, eating healthy and exercising is, is huge. And like doing whatever I can to keep anxiety levels down, um, always comes first. Cause you know, at a certain point you're, if you're so anxious about the risk that you've taken on within your business, which will happen no matter what at any stage, right. Even if it's like, oh, now you have payroll and every two weeks you have to pay payroll, right? I went through a whole thing with that. It was like every two weeks I thought I was going to throw up because I had to pay (laughs) payroll. (laughs) But, you know, you figure out how to manage your anxiety and just keep it down and remind yourself that, like, everything is going to be okay. And worst case scenario, what is it? Like, you're not going to be, you know, out on the street. You're not going to, like, everything is going to be okay. So, yeah, yeah, it's huge, huge, huge.
0: Well, I'm going to give you my secret hack on payroll yeah, please. Uh, or bill pay, which is put on your favorite TV show or your favorite music <laughs> and distract yourself while you're doing it so that you don't <laughs> allow yourself to get depressed. <laughs> so that's my secret hack. Oh, yeah. uh, well, thank you, Jasmine, for being on startup hacks. Your insights were incredibly helpful and I'm sure there are a lot of listeners who have benefited from them. If our listeners would like to reach you or learn more about your company, where should they go? Yeah,
1: absolutely. So the website is www.pitchgenius.co.co, uh, not.com. And another great way to just kind of keep track and connect with us is on LinkedIn through our LinkedIn page. Um, also feel free to add me, reach out Reach out to me. Um, we are, our whole team is here and available to to speak with. And yeah, so that and through the webs through the website, that's where they'd reach you. The website, yeah. If you if you're interested in a consultation, the website would be the first way to connect with us, or the best way to kind of schedule that. And then if you just want to talk, you know, get some advice, and just connect, just LinkedIn
0: would be best. Okay, and that's Pitch Genius uh, on LinkedIn. That's Pitch Genius on LinkedIn. Yep. Great. Perfect. Well, thank you again, and tune in next week for more Startup Hacks. We have another great show you won't want to miss on the secret female founder strategies that can save you time and money when building your business. This podcast is brought to you by Women Entrepreneurs Global, the first startup studio and digital do-it-yourself startup platform for women. For more information on our guests, this podcast, and many other female founder programs, please visit womenentrepreneurs.global. I'm your host, Fernanda Carapina. See you next week.